Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for your daily drive. This is the podcast where I put my article content that's on our website into audio format so that you can listen on the go. John and Kathy sent me an email recently saying that they were listening to a whole series of my podcasts while they were traveling from up north back down south. They are home now, but they wanted to send a note saying they really enjoyed listening to the podcast, several of them, as they were traveling. And thank you so much for sending that note, John. I appreciate that. It's good to know where people listen. I find that interesting and to know that people are listening because I'm talking to a microphone looking at my screen and it helps when I realize that there are real people out there thousands of people out there listening and so thank you John if you have a question for me and my team you can go to our public forums and you can ask your question create yourself a username and password that's exclusively your own and you can ask any question that you wish. If you are a supporting member of our ministry, you can go to our private forums and ask your question there. I do have a forum within that forum called Talk Directly to Rick and His Team, and that way it will only be us that are responding to you, not anyone else in our community. And so it's just just between you and me, you and our Team, But either one of those forums will work, the private forum for supporting members, the public forum for everyone else, and you are welcome to ask us anything that you wish. The title of this podcast and the accompanying article on the website is When You Love Your Children Better Than Your Wife. I had someone write in recently articulating that very thing. Now, I'm not going to share any details about that email other than what I just said, but this is not just for her. This is a common problem that we have run into many times uh, over the course of our ministry where people write in with a child-centered home where one parent has uh, they have the children in the center of the home and the spouse is on the perimeter. In this podcast, I'm, well, it's talking about the husband who loves his children better than his wife. But as you know, with so many of our articles, you can flip the gender around. But since a lady wrote in, I want this article to be specifically, and it's not just her. We've had a number of wives write in about this. And I know that women have child-centered homes, but I've never had a man write in expressing this. But anyway, this would be beneficial for either the husband or the wife. A husband and wife are one flesh, not two. If you hold your your index finger straight up in the air and look at it, you're looking at a singular finger, and that could be representative of one flesh. And when you look at that finger, you do not see what you see is both husband and wife. And that's how we talk about it in our in our home. I'll hold up my finger, and of course, my children are familiar with this illustration, so they know what I'm doing. They say, is that dad or mom? They say, well, that's both. Because we're not two, we are one, and there is nothing that should come between the husband and wife, including 
especially their children. When a parent, whether it is the father or the mother, places the children in the center of home life, the family is out of order. So I want to talk about that today in the podcast. Let me give you an illustration, a fictional illustration of of what I'm trying to communicate here. Biff's fame is well known. More than one wife has angrily said, quote, I wish my husband was like him, end quote. Biff is a fantastic dad. When it comes to parenting, he never leaves a rock unturned. He's aggressive, thoughtful, diligent, proactive, kind, and gracious. He teaches, he leads, he plans, and he executes. If Parenting Quarterly, if that were a magazine, I'm not sure, honestly, but if Parenting Quarterly knew about Biff, most assuredly he'd be on the cover. When he sins against his children, he repents. When they go somewhere, they never leave his sight. He's regularly searching the internet for the next best book. He talks to other dads to find out what they are doing. And if there is something to be gleaned, he gleans it and methodically implements the new teaching into his children's lives. He has a reputation for parenting excellence. The real truth is that no one other than his wife, Mabel, knows the whole deal about Biff. Yes, he is every one of the things that I have described, uh, but only to his kids. When it comes to being a husband, he's not as thoughtful, diligent, proactive, kind, or gracious. He is one way to his children and another way to his wife. This is a clear tip-off to hidden idolatry. Whenever a person's attitudes or their words or maybe their behaviors are antithetical as Biff's, there's something amiss in the heart. Let me give you a few illustrations. It's like a man who excels at work but is a beast in the home. It's like the wife who acts one way at church, but another when she is away from church friends. It's like the kid who has one life with his schoolmates, but another personality around his parents. That's what I call an antithetical life. Of course, we know it's a hypocritical life to use biblical language. It's like the husband who can blather on about fantasy football but won't talk to his wife. It's one of the things that I, I've asked many times in counseling where the spouse will say, well, he doesn't talk. Well, that's hyperbolic and it's rather absolute and 100 times out of 100, it's, it's not a true statement. He does talk. It's just that he chooses not to talk to you. He has the ability to talk. And that's one of the things that you want to distinguish when you're discipling somebody is this a capacity issue, meaning he has no physical ability whatsoever to communicate, to talk. He can't talk. It's a physical problem. That's a capacity issue. Or is it a character issue, 
meaning he can talk because he blathers on about fantasy football, but he won't talk to his wife. That's not a capacity problem at all. That's a character problem. Huge distinction. You can't repent of capacity problems. There is a built-in, God-given limitation unless there is something that happens through the common grace of medical science. But that is a built-in limitation. He can't talk. But if, if it is a character problem, then there is great news. He can repent. He can change. And so if he blathers on about fantasy football, it's not that your husband can't talk. He can. He's just not talking to you. But the good news is he can repent. Whenever there is inconsistency in how a person relates to people, like these four illustrations that I just gave you, you will find sin lurking somewhere in the heart and life. There is no biblical justification for selective niceness without authentic, genuine repentance. If you are a selective, nice person, then I recommend authentic, genuine repentance. To be nice in one venue and not in another context, it does reveal hypocrisy. That's the Bible word we're looking for. There is something wrong when this is happening with anyone, male or female. The best thing for such a person is exposure while he humbly reveals his heart. Or exposure can come another way. Someone confronts him. Biff needs confrontation, loving, compassionate, competent, direct, clear confrontation. The consequences of this kind of parenting can be devastating to children. Kids have an internal baloney detector. Now, what that means is they know when their parents are full of baloney. Though they may not be able to articulate what they are observing in the home while they are young, they will react to it one way or the other when they are older. And when they become older, they will see with much more clarity what they don't have the ability to see when they are, uh, particularly when they're really young. Hypocritical parenting is one of the more common reasons ten teens rebel. Whenever a parent sins, like hypocrisy, there will be future fallout. And that result is nearly always among those who are closest to the hypocrisy, in this case, the children. Of course, there's going to be future fallout with the wife in Biff and Mabel's illustration, that the scenario that I'm giving you here. When a person like Biff sins the way I have described here, the repercussions will impact his wife and his children the most. Sometimes I think it is better to reject Christ as a parent than to profess Christianity while living a life that does not emulate Christianity. Hypocrisy, really, if you're unsaved and you live an unsaved lifestyle, at least you're consistent with your lifestyle and it's not nearly as confusing. But if you say you're a Christian and live like a pagan, that's hard to process, especially for little children. When a person like Biff sins the way I have described, those repercussions will be impactful. James was not talking to parents when he wrote about a higher standard for leaders in James 3.1. But a parent can make an application from what James said. Because parenting is a leadership 
modeling teaching position in the home. This is how James framed it. Went again, I know in context, he's talking specifically to teachers in a local church setting. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. Now, I'm making an application here because it is true. You do not want to presume on the grace of God by being a lousy parent, modeler, and teacher. There will be consequences. God has a high view and greater strictness on teachers because teachers have a fantastic responsibility in how they share his word. To model and teach it well leads to freedom. To model and teach God's word poorly leads to bondage. As for Biff, there are at least six possible reasons that come to my mind for why he teaches his children hypocritically. Hypocritically, as in he loves his children in quotation marks, but doesn't love his wife. Though all of these things may not be what's going on in his heart, it would not be unusual to find most of them active in a person like Biff. And so if you are encountering a person who loves his wife, uh, loves his children more than his wife, here are six considerations for you to think about. The first one is motives. What are his motives? Well, his motives are impure, and it's obvious his motives are impure. He is not thinking so much about parenting for the glory of God as he is thinking about making his children turn out right. This is a subtle temptation for me, too, and probably for you. Whenever I am kinder to my children than to my wife, then I immediately, immediately know that my motives are impure. If they were pure, I would be consistent with my niceness, consistent with my kindness. You can't be inconsistent with kindness in the home unless there's something wrong with you. Kindness does not discriminate. The only reason a person will not be kind is that he chooses not to be. If he determines whom he will be sympathetic to, whom he will be nice to, he is not motivated by God, but by evil motives. It's like the employee who is nice to his employer, but is mean to his wife. The reason he is nice to his employer is because his motives are impure. He doesn't want to lose his job. If his motives was, or his motive was to glorify God, then he would be nice at work and at home. There would be consistency in his attitudes, his words, and his behaviors. It wouldn't be about money primarily, but about God's glory. If Biff's motives were pure, he would be kind to everyone in his home. And so the first thing that you want to think about and try to discern is what are the motivations of Biff's heart? Number two is pragmatism. Biff has a goal in mind, and that purpose is what drives his parenting methodology. Pragmatism is another way of saying, quote, all that matters are the results, end quote. Pragmatic parenting is results-driven. The end justifies the means. It really does not matter how you get there as long as you get there. 
from Biff's perspective, being unkind to his wife will have no impact on the results he's shooting for regarding his kids. By the way, what he's shooting for, though he doesn't know it, he's shooting himself in the foot. He's after high grades for his children, not a well-nourished and well-cherished wife. He wants to make sure his kids don't smoke weed. Not whether he is a discouragement to his wife. Biff is a pragmatist. The first thing you want to look at are his motives. Number two is pragmatism. Number three, self-sufficiency. One of the more prominent culprits in Biff's worship structure is his propensity towards self-reliance, self-sufficiency. He gets a kick out of doing it himself. He does this because he can do it by himself. The idea of trusting God does not resonate the way it should with him. And even if it did, he would not know how to trust God in his parents because in his parenting because he has fully bought into our culture's high self-esteem model. Biff esteems his esteem for himself and his abilities are off the chart. This issue is one of the reasons he's so unkind to his wife. He is superior. That's what self-esteem does. Self-esteem does not create community. It creates individualism. It doesn't create other-centeredness. It creates an independence and a competitiveness. Biff, in his own mind, is superior to his wife. He doesn't need her. He's a self-sufficient person. And by the way, he doesn't need God. Rather than learning how to glorify God in his marriage, his wife becomes one of the many means he uses to accomplish his goals. The self-reliant man will use any factors he deems as an option to achieve his predetermined objectives. For Biff, the goal is clear. He wants impressive kids who will become great adults. His wife is just one of the many means he relies on to expedite the goals he has mapped out for his children. You want to address his motives, his pragmatism, his self-sufficiency, and number four, you want to address his fear. The sin that is under the sin of self-sufficiency is fear. If you take self-sufficiency and lift the lid off of it, lift the covers up, what you'll see underneath self-reliance is fear. Now, what I mean is that whenever there is one sin, you'll always find another one. Sin thrives in community, in a sinful community. And so there's not just sinful self-reliance, but there is this thing underneath the self-reliance that motivates it, and that is fear. The sin of self-sufficiency has a sin under it that fuels it. Biff operates from a heart of fear. He is afraid his children will not turn out right. Maybe he had a bad experience as a child and did not want his children to have his former manner of life. This happens so often with parents that they have a bad experience or their entire childhood was awful like mine, and they oversteer the parenting car, and they are operating out of their fears rather than trusting God. Maybe he has seen a lot of poor parenting models and the fruit of those inadequate models, and he does not want that to happen to his children. I don't know what his fear is altogether, but I do know self-reliance is fueled by fear.
Fear is always operating underneath the surface of a self-sufficient person. Most parents parent with a degree of fear working in their hearts. They are aware of the temptations in the culture. They know that it does not take much for their kids to fall. Rather than running to God first, the parent is tempted to over-parent their children because they are afraid. You want to check out his motives, his pragmatism, his self-sufficiency. Number four, his fear. Number five, his reputation. It would not surprise me at all to find out that a lot of what is motivating Biff is his craving for reputation. More than likely, he looks down on people. By the way, that's code for self-righteousness. You can't look down on anyone unless you have elevated yourself. And Christians don't elevate themselves above others because we have no righteousness. The righteousness that we have is an alien righteousness, and it's given to us freely by, by God. But more than likely, he looks down on people, at least some people, and is driven not to be like them. He loves to be perceived a certain way. To have smart, well-trained, excellent children may not be so much about the children as it is about how he wants people to think about him. This would be another reason he would get angry at his wife. She could very well interfere with his plans for the children. Now, I'm not saying that her interference is wrong or whatever whatever you want to fill in the blank there. I'm not saying it's wrong, but when you have a person driven like this, she probably couldn't do anything right unless she was a doormat to him. And so she could very well be hindering the process, not doing what he believes that she should do in order to gain what he is trying to gain. And when this happens, she, she feels his scorn the sin of reputation is a temptation for me. My children are a reflection of who I am. Whenever they do something dumb, I have to guard my heart against the trap of craving reputation. It should never matter what others think about me because it is never about me. It is always about God at all times. When my children mess up, my default reaction should be how to lead them to Christ rather than thinking about damage control regarding my reputation. Six things I want you to consider with a man who loves his children more than he loves his wife. First are his motives. Two, pragmatism. Three, self-sufficiency. Four, fear. Number five, reputation. And then finally, number six, unbelief. Ultimately, Biff is an unbelieving believer. I'm talking about Mark 9, 24, where immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. Yes, he is a Christian. Biff is a Christian. We're going to say that in this podcast just for the sake of the podcast. Now, it could be that he's not. It could be that he never has been regenerated by God. But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to say, Biff is a Christian in the local church, loved by all except his wife. But his problem is that he's unwilling to trust God regarding how he thinks about and applies his parenting philosophy. Unbelief. Not pertaining to his salvation, but his unbelief, lack of trust, a synonym to unbelief in his sanctification. 
I mentioned the sin that is underneath the sin. I said that fear is the sin underneath the sin of self-reliance. Well, there's more than that. If you begin to unpack fear, worry, anxiety, you'll find another sin that is under it. And so now you're, you're lifting the lid up of self-sufficiency and you see fear, and then there's another lid and you lift it up and, and oh my soul, under that is the sin of unbelief. This is the last sin. That is the last lid that you're going to lift up because unbelief is always at the bottom of it all. Unbelief is the sin that Adam committed. All sin comes out of a heart of unbelief. You cannot sin unless you, you have temporary insanity. You, you cannot sin unless you choose to disbelieve God at that moment that you choose to sin. Whenever we choose to do it our way, as Biff is exemplifying, we are essentially saying, I don't believe God's way is the best way. I'm choosing my way over his way. That is unbelief, and that's how you can, quote, end quote, get away with sinning. Biff has a parenting model that he is implementing. He also has several things going wrong in his heart. He's making real choices every day regarding his parenting. The issue that drives them all is his functional atheism, or what I have already termed as the unbelieving believer. He is a believer, but he's not acting like one. He probably doesn't know it, or he at least is not aware of the more in-depth hideousness of his sin choices. He is so focused on what he can see, the kid's behaviors, that he's never taken time to assess his heart fully. Biff needs to come to the place in his thinking where he can fully trust God and all the means of grace that God provides for parents like him. A means of grace is another way of saying an instrument of favor that God offers his children to accomplish his purposes in their lives. God has given us much unmerited favor to accomplish his will in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our local churches. Biff has a wife who can be an incredible means of grace to him, his children, to the family, for the glory of God. Biff has a local church that is there to serve him. Biff should have friends whom he is pursuing to help him to see what he does not understand. There are many means of grace in our lives. Parenting takes a community, and when the community is fully engaged, the parenting goes much better. Today, it seems that people do most parenting through a catch-as-catch-can model. The last verse in the book of Judges sadly sums it up for us. In Judges 21-25, it says this, In those days there was no king in Israel, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. A lot of parenting is done that way today as our Bibles remain closed and dusty. The best thing that could happen for Biff is for someone to love him enough to walk him through what he is doing. He needs a sober self-assessment. I realize there is a significant risk in the kind of lot that I'm talking about, but sometimes the risk is a better option to take than the inevitable fallout that will come if no one tries to talk to him today. Now, I'm not recommending, recommending that his wife does this because 
there is a strong possibility that that will fall flat and it will blow up and it will intensify things even more than they're already intensified in the home. Somebody else needs to help Biff to come alongside him, a spiritual authority in his local church. And so let me wrap up by saying two things. If the Spirit of God has convicted you about anything that I've said in this podcast, my appeal to you is to find help. That is the best thing you can do for the Lord, for your family, and for your church, whether you are a a mother or a father with a child-centered home, or maybe both parents are that way. Get help because it will end badly and you will regret it. And you'll be one of those people that will stand in the latter day as an older person and you'll say, I wish I'd known these things. Well, if the Spirit is speaking to you today, then change today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And then number two, if your spouse is sinning this way, well, I appeal to you to read the linked article that I have here in this article. is titled, How to Help a Person Get Right with God and Implement That Teaching Immediately. And the thing that I would appeal to you to do that you'll read in that article is go to your leadership now and let them know what is going on. If you are the wife in this marriage, I don't, I don't want you to do this because it's probably going to blow back and you know that. If we can help you, please come to our website and let us help you. It would be a joy to give you some directions. You can talk to us on our forums. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.